What's going on, coaches? Hope everyone is enjoying their week. Um, we are excited about the RTP 20 clinic. Uh, it is going to be free. It's going to be the last week of February, Monday through Friday. We've got 10 unbelievable coaches um, clinicking on it. We've seen their film. Uh, it, it's really, really, really good this year, guys. Uh, we've got offensive coaches, defensive coaches, uh, head coaches, and uh, strength and conditioning guys. So uh, you will love uh, what's on that. And Probably the best part is you don't have to go anywhere other than open up your phone or your computer and watch it for free on those days. So um, continue to check out everything that we're doing. We've got all of our podcast stuff and all of our RTP premium things uh, over on our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you guys write your own programs or have a full-time strength coach, or you need a training program, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program, as well as a speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to successfully run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter the code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is teambuilder.com. On today's episode of RTP, we talk with Justin Pinner. Coach Pinner is the head coach at Western Dubuque High School in Epworth, Iowa. Listen as we talk with Coach Pinner about his 2019 state championship, how R4 has assisted in their offensive game planning, and, of course, a little bit of inside zone. You can follow Coach Pinner on Twitter, at Coach Penner. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, I'm not a guy who has any kind of pedigree. You know, I listening to some of your, your guys you have on, I'm, I'm not that guy. You know, I went to uh, – a really small high school in Iowa, uh, you know, after traveling around, you know, living in Idaho, living in Iowa, living in Connecticut, mm-hmm. just son of a Navy man. And, and uh, you know, went to University of Dubuque, which is not exactly the cradle bed of coaches. And, and uh, you know, uh, you know, I had a great experience there. And, and my head coach there knew, you know, even though I wasn't a very good player, he, he knew I wanted to be, be a coach and, and uh, you know, gave me some sound advice and helped me on my way. And, and uh, just had a really good opportunity when I was student teaching uh, to coach for uh, Dyersville Beckman in, in uh, you know, a small Catholic school outside of Dubuque. And, and uh, you know, I think what everybody needs in life is a great mentor. And I had one in, in, in Coach Mike Cooper at Beckman. He's just a, a stoic man, just, you know, somebody I admire to this day. And, and uh, you know, I wasn't there very long, and and uh, and then I got my first head job right out of college at at Carroll Kemper, and I was there five years, and and then uh, you know was uh, was broke, so decided to to do the public school thing, and took my licks at Mason City Public for for four years, and uh, I think that's when when you learn a lot about yourself and a lot about uh, you know how to coach better when when you're getting rocked every week, and and. Uh, Shoot, I think we were eight and thirty there for for four years, and and then uh, uh, got the Western Dubuque gig, and, and had the opportunity to take my wife home and, and uh, raise my kids in a great place at Western Dubuque, and and uh, been here for six, and so we've had a lot of success, and and we've had some growth as well, and and uh, 
yeah, it's been a great, great experience. Well, coach, during those those years that didn't go so well for you, um, with the the eight and, and thirty record or, or whatever you said it was, was there ever a time uh, that you were like, well, this maybe this this deal isn't isn't for me, or could you always kind of tell uh, that that the other things maybe just weren't falling in place, uh, and that if you were maybe in a, a different situation, uh, that that it would end up working out for you? Well, I never I never felt like uh, coaching wasn't for me. I you know I. I know there's a huge separation. You read that um, uh, winner's manual for the game of life by Coach Coach Trasley talks about a separation between who you are and what you do. And I've I've never been able to differentiate that. I always believed, you know, that I'm a I'm a football coach. But uh, you know, I, I will say there were times, you know, especially that first year, and that was probably our best year, win win loss wise. But you start questioning yourself and your ability to do it. But uh, I think it just strengthened my resolve and in. You know, the fact that I, I need to go back to work and I need to get better. And, and you might question your X's and O's or there might be opportunities there where, where you are in a low and, and a dark place and, and you question, you know, your ability to lead men. But, you know, you, you marry the right woman and she strengthens you in, in times, that, you know, of despair. And, and you surround yourself with people that love the game of football and, and love coaching kids. And, and uh, you know, those, those dark moments go away. So, Coach, then you take over, you know, at, at Western Dubuque. Um, kind of walk me through those six years. I mean, obviously, the last couple have been, you know, su super, super, uh, real, literally unreal. I mean, the, the run of success you guys have had and, and some of the numbers you guys have been able to put up. Has that kind of been, you know, a, a, you kind of knew that was going to happen? Has it kind of been by surprise? Or is that kind of like, yeah, man, you know, this, this six years has kind of gone, you know, how, how we thought it was, was really going to go? Well, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I got lucky that I got this job. It was a, it was a coach cool stepped away and took an AD job. And, and, you know, I mean, I took this job 4th of July weekend, you know, it was just one of those things where there weren't a ton of applicants and, and I just got lucky. I mean, it's, it's a destination job. If, if you're into high school football, it's a place to be, but, but uh, you know, in terms of these kids and it, I got to coach middle school track and field for the first, you know, five years I, I was here. And, and so, you know, I, I knew we had some special kids coming, coming through, but um, you know, when I really thought something was, you know, we had, we had a runner up season a year ago and, and uh, you know, I, I actually thought we were going to have the chance to win it last year, even maybe before anybody else did. I, I told a guy at a wrestling tournament, I said, you know, I, I believe we have the chance to, to win a, a state championship, and I'm going to be disappointed if we're not in the mix. And, and sure, sure enough, we were right there at the end last year. But it, we had two classes together, and uh, yeah, I couldn't make such bold claims this year. I just didn't know that we were going to have the dudes because, you know, we just didn't have two classes. I didn't think we didn't have the depth. But uh, our kids are, are far more than, than I ever could have asked for. And, and uh, you know, they're just – their, their will to win is, is far greater than anything I could talk about on a podcast. Well, well, Coach, you know, I know you put a lot to your kids, and, and maybe that's the whole thing, but uh, you got to look at maybe a year where you get, you know, runner-up, and then there's a year that, that you take it. Uh, is there anything when you look back at those uh, that you think that you guys did differently um, to, to put you over that edge, or was it purely – those kids that were a little younger grew up and, and was kind of just the way that things fell that year. Well, you know, and 
I look back at, at uh, you know, the senior group and the, the growth and development, they, they, they don't lose. They, they're just, that's not in them. They, they don't, they don't like it. Um, you know, if, if we had an Indian leg wrestling, you know, tournament and we have, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't want to lose. And so, you know, the gift of getting to coach winners is huge, but you know, I've got a group of guys, I'm, I'm the old guy on staff. I'm 38 years old. And, and, uh, you know, I've had a, a bunch of really high quality coaches that, that coach with me that have grown along the way too. And, and you talk about failures, you know, those guys didn't, they didn't have the Cleveland Browns or, or Mason city, if you will, you know, but what they did have is, you know, we, we took our licks, you know, here and there and, and Xavier taught us a lot last year, Cedar Rapids, Xavier, Dwayne Schulte, you know, I know this is like a national podcast and people don't know that name. That's as fine as a high school football coach and, and a football staff as you'll ever coach against in your life. And they have kids that they don't miss assignments, not on any play, not ever. And uh, it's, it's really hard to find missed tackles and you, they, they'll expose you and your missed assignments and your missed, uh, missed fortunes. And, and they've got tricks coming out of their sleeves for days. And, and uh, you know, they flat out outcoached us in, uh, in 17, excuse me, in 18 and uh, beat us 35 nothing at their place. And you want to talk about, you know, leaving there in a rough place. We coaches had to take a look in the mirror and say they just flat out outcoached us. And that was embarrassing and uh, humiliating and, and every negative that you could receive from that. But what that was was a wake-up call for us as a staff to get better. We got better defensively. We got better on special teams. We got better with our practice habits. And while we didn't win it a year ago, we closed the gap an awful lot. And we had to learn, you know, the details that it takes in order to be successful. So really that growth and that journey, we owe an awful lot to, to the failures that, that Xavier handed to us the last couple of years. Well, there's so many, and and I hear it from you know some really really good coaches, but uh, especially at the high school and college, uh, probably at every level, um, there's so many of those games that come down to uh, you just not losing the game. I mean, if you'll go through and and the team that has the one turnover or the team that has the few MAs, they're the ones that normally end up losing the game as opposed to the other team winning the game. Now, if it's um, a, a way overmatched team, then the one team wins the game. But if it's a, a closely matched game uh, with personnel-wise and, and everything else, a lot of times it kind of comes down to what team loses the game for themselves. You know, I couldn't agree with that more. And I, I would throw in explosive plays in there, you know, as a telling statistic. And I wish some way in form there was a, a statistic that showed, like, you know, roughing penalties because, you know, roughing the passer and, and roughing the punter those are like turnovers or muff, you know, muff punts and things like that. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, explosive plays have been big for us as well. But, you know, I don't know if a lot of people would uh, would say that we were poor in terms of talent because our, our uh, you know, uh, skill guys were, were incredible. Uh, and, and our line was so cohesive. But we were outmatched in, in terms of Division One talent on every single week. And, and we had guys – that, that really were assignment sound and, and uh, you know, believed in the system and one another. And, and I, I do feel like, you know, we waited for other teams to lose the ball. And, you know, with all due respect to, to Lewis Central, I think they, they turned the ball over five times in the semifinals. And, uh, you know, I mean, they've got three Division One guys. Absolutely, they're bigger and stronger. And, uh, you know, could have really given it to us there. But 
when you when you cough up the football five times, that's pretty tough to to overcome. You know, you're, you talk a little bit about stats, and this is way out in left field, but it was just something interesting I heard today, and I don't even remember for sure what defensive coach is talking about it, but uh, there was a clinic or, or something, and I want to say it was Ohio State's defensive coordinator, but I could be way off. Um, and and they actually counted, because they were, they were a big team that likes to shift a bunch, um, and they actually counted false starts as a tackle for a loss for their defense. You know, they said – Hey, if it's a five-yard tackle for for loss is what it is. You know they still get to keep that down, but now it's first and fifteen. And so uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I never heard anything like that. Um, and then just the other day, Navy had their, um, you know, their their, and I don't even remember what it was, but they had a stat where they were trying to keep three and outs six. and turnovers and something else. They wanted six. Yeah, they wanted six. They wanted three and outs. They wanted uh, turnovers. Yeah, I, I don't remember what the third one was, but. Uh, yeah, that was outstanding. Downs. You better believe I favored that tweet. I mean, I thought that was all really cool, that and then hearing the, the false start deal. I mean, I know it's way out of what you were talking about, but uh, something that you were saying just kind of triggered that, and, and I thought that was uh, – those are some stats that people probably don't maybe think of all the time, but, but were really interesting once I heard them. Yeah, we pay attention to foolish stats like yards. You know, those, those things <laughs> don't matter. You know, I, I appreciate the guys that are willing to step out step out of the box and, and start keeping track of meaningful statistics for sure. Coach, you mentioned your guys' uh, skill kids and then obviously your your quarterback being a, a first-team All-State kid, uh, an absolute stud. Uh, you know, what are some things you guys have done to kind of cultivate that, you know, uh, that group of skill kids? You know, I know you would mentioned a little bit of middle school track. I know you guys are scoring points at the state track meet every year when I go watch you guys. Um, you're, you're always in the mix, if, if not dang near winning it at the state track meet. Um, what are some of the things you do kind of off-season wise to, to keep those kids interested, to get those guys rolling, and then to put up those kind of stats that you're talking about? Yeah, and to be honest with you, we, 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 we rely on the uh, multi-sport athlete more than most. And, and, and there, are, there are people around here and around the state that will practice. I mean, for those people that don't know, Iowa is unlimited in the summertime. June 1 hits, and, you know, you can hang out with those kids three, four, five hours a day if you really want to. And, and there's places that, that get after it and really do those things. And, uh, you know, hats off to them. We have such a great baseball program in our summertime that, you know, we'll have, we'll have uh, you know, an, an open gym skill opportunity after lifting. And, and truly, I mean, if we get 15 kids, we're over the top excited about it. We'll work with those kids, no matter who they are, you know, and, and, and how involved in football they are. But, um, you know, there are a few things about this area that are special. The University of Dubuque really helps with that. They have what we call spring football because we encourage it uh, so much. But they have uh, Sunday night camps uh, for skill guys in March uh, on Sundays. And uh, those are like 6 to 8 p.m. on Sundays. And uh, for O-line, D-line guys in April on Sundays. And, you know, for us, that's that spring football league. And everything we do is about, you know, the brotherhood of it. We, uh, we pride ourselves in having more guys at all those camps uh, than any school in the area. Uh, really, um, you know, push that. And then we go out and have a bite to eat afterwards and share that brotherhood. And, uh, you know, we kind of go in seasons like that. We probably have 90% of our kids out for a winter sport right now. Uh, we'll have a huge percentage of our kids out for track and field or other spring sports. And then, you know, 
I have the fortune of having a baseball coach that that loves the weight room, that takes attendance in the weight room, and he really gets the big picture of, of everything. And so I really, really encourage baseball. And, and uh, you know, his son was one of those skill guys for us this year, in fact, an All-Stater. And so uh, just really lucky to have a group of, you know, boys coaches at our high school that get it. And then our administration on top of that, you know, we've got strength throughout the day. You know, I mean, we have four or 500 kids in strength every trimester. And so, uh, you know, our administration just gets it. So really benefiting from the culture of the multi-sport athlete and the weight room. Yeah, and, and uh, an extremely important thing to be able to do and, and have cohesion, I would assume, in, in Iowa, um, something that I didn't know until talking to Walls quite a bit. But, uh, you know, in Oklahoma, uh, baseball goes until um, right before spring football. So, we're you know, um, May and baseball is over, where Walls said, you know, his, his baseball team was going all the way until late uh, July, I think. You know, so, so – to have those kids gone for, for the summer, you got to find, you know, certain days that you can get their work, but they still got to be ready to play baseball. And, and so to have a baseball coach that uh, does love the weight room, because there's some, some different thoughts with baseball, uh, which I've never really understood, but uh, that, that aren't as big into uh, the weight program. And, and that would be something that would be, to me, uh, extremely difficult to grow your football program if, if you had a baseball coach that, kept him into July and, and didn't really love the weight room for his kids and, and didn't hold them accountable to going. Yeah. And, you know, for, for me, you know, first of all, it's still snowing here in May sometimes, you know, those guys in Oklahoma have all the luck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, go in the indoor. Yeah. 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 We don't <laughs> quite have one of those in our uh, rural school, but you know, yeah, our, our baseball coach is, is amazing. And, and, uh, you know, just he really gets gets kids. And, you know, like I said, I mean, we just have kids competing all the time, and, and uh, it's good. I mean, we, we do seven-on-sevens. I've been at other schools where that baseball coach, you know, in Iowa, you know, you say you're going to do seven-on-seven, you know, a tournament or, or get together on Sunday, and all of a sudden there's a mandatory pitchers and catchers practice on a mm-hmm. Sunday night. You know, guys that sabotage you. You know, we've got grown men that don't treat kids as, as – as possessions and, and uh, you know, lead with real confidence rather than insecurity. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm the recipient of a really good situation here. I think the other thing that it does too is, that, you know, when you coach the skill positions or you're an OC or whatever, it, it really forces you to simplify. And I think it also forces you to, to look at your program to make sure, you know, when we are sharing these athletes and we want them to be successful in every single sport, you know, we got to find ways to, to maximize their talent, to, to also get their lift in, but at the same time, get these guys a, a life outside of sports, you know, let them hang out with their girlfriends and their friends. And then at the same time, you know, be smart about how, how we're running our routes and, and the mileage you put on them. So I know that forced me to also be become a better coach and seek out, you know, guys like Coach Maddox with the R4 system and guys like uh, Tony Holler, because you know, we were loaded with some pretty good skilled athletes here at Ankeny as well, and all those kids played baseball. And there was no way I was going to take that away from because I love watching them play baseball too. It's fun. Absolutely, yeah. And you guys have basketball, you know, kingdom hoops and everything else over there. You got a lot of guys vying for your kids' time. Yeah, so, I mean, I think not only that, again, you know, just for me having to, to sit there, it would be easy for me to be hard-headed and, and, uh, and not want to get better. And I know you've done the same. You've sought out Coach Maddox and some of those resources. But, 
you know, it, it's it's really helped me simplify as a coach. It, it's it's shortened up the the amount of teaching I have to do, and our kids can master those things, and and now they can go out on their their merry way, and I think get some of those things done because we have streamlined it so much. Yeah, you know, I, I have a personal philosophy, and you know, really push this with my staff. But you know, you talk about Coach Maddox, or it, it's about no stone left unturned. You know. Uh, you know, I might not expect certain things from my kids in the offseason, and I might let them get a distance from me, but that doesn't mean that my work needs to stop. And, and you know, like hell, I'm going to be complacent, you know. Right now, I'm, I'm most concerned about people telling me congratulations and making that, you know, a weaker me. I'm just not interested in that. So, you know, there's a lot of guys out there chasing that, that system or whatnot. You know, for me, it might be a drill. It might be you know, a confirmation of what we do, but, but, uh, you know, like hell, we're not going to get better, you know, from, from here on out. Yeah. I think that's an interesting thing. It's always good. To, it's always, uh, you know, fun to, to watch a team that, that wins a, their championship. And then how do they come back the next year? You know, what, what's their, what's their, uh, mentality the next year? How are they working? How much do they get bogged down with the extra stuff? That's not about playing football. How much, you know, are they willing to change with this new group, even though they won the last year? It's it's always a really, really interesting thing and, and a reason that um, there's a lot of people that like the underdogs, and, and I do too at, at times, but I also love the Patriots and, and Alabama uh, because they're guys that get, do it uh, year after year after year, and, and it's really uh, impressive to see how they uh, can continue to uh, fight to strive to be better every single year. Yeah, that's just an addiction to getting better. You know, I really, I'm with you. You know, I, you, know you, you cheer for the underdogs, and, and all of us love to watch Army, Navy, and, and those guys battle with the big dogs, and, and, and that's awesome. Uh, but how does Coach Saban do it year after year, you know? And, you know, how, how does Coach Belichick keep those guys at that elite level no matter who comes in? I mean, his culture is spectacular. And I'll tell you what, you know, it, it's – it's something that we all need to evaluate how people stay on top for an extended period of time. And, and uh, do we have the endurance or the intestinal fortitude to do that? Coach, you talked about it earlier and you'd said, you know, being able to kind of, you know, modify how you practice and change how you practice, you know, what are some things that you're consistently looking to maybe do a little bit better? I know you'd also mentioned defense and special teams. Are there some things you guys changed with, you know, how you practiced, uh, you know, are you going a little bit longer? Are you going a little bit shorter here and there? Can you expand on some of those things that you felt like, man, you know, this made a lot more sense and, and you did go kind of make the jump and change and do it? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. You know, first of all, defensively, you know, I, I think we're good because I don't touch that side of the ball. Those guys, they do a phenomenal <laughs> job. I've got some really intelligent guys and, and uh, you know, they do some things I think that are beyond me too. I mean, I just glad I don't have to coach against my guys, but um, you know, defensively, you know, we have about 44, uh, you know, altogether 44 scripted out plays each day. And one thing I, I think our defensive guys do a great job is they'll experiment with, with fits that they may not like uh, just to see if, if they do like them. And, and they'll put, put themselves in situations where, you know, uh, this stunt or, or this personnel package, and we do a bunch of them. I mean, we do two-man line, three-man line four-man line, you know, we, we do, you know, an extra safety or an extra linebacker, all sorts of different things, and then we'll do a ton of stunts with that, and by the end of the week, 
you know, there's there's some absolute no's, and uh, there's some absolute. I love that. I never thought of that on Sunday. I'm glad I tried that type of thing. And so, you know, early on in the week, we're frustrated, and that's ugly, and we hate that fit. Um, and obviously, you know, we evaluate mistakes and things like that. But our defensive staff really does a great job of eliminating what they don't like and narrowing down their their game time. And then offensively, you know, we've got a coach that's that's probably you know, a hidden gem, and, and nobody knows about Coach Reiner, but he just has an imagination like you wouldn't believe, and, and uh, you know, he draws up shot plays and, and really gets after that. You know, sometimes you got to pull him back in. He, he wants to draw up eight or ten, and, and really what we want to go into a game with is three shots and, and uh, things like that. But, you know, those are some things where we're, we're designated. And then Wednesday nights for us, you know, we're sharing with the kids game film on – uh, you know, how defenses change uh, on third down. So we, we really get after third down on Wednesday nights. And then uh, we get after goal line and how defenses change, you know. And, and I appreciate any of those defensive guys that don't change in the in the goal line or the red zone situations or even third and one or fourth and one because you're making our practices a lot easier. But uh, those guys that do, you know, we've got to be prepared for that. And looking back two years ago before we had this nice little uh, two-year run, is we really struggled on third down and we didn't score in the red zone. And those were things that, you know, we discovered that we have to get an awful lot better at. And that's why practices have changed like that. I'm writing all this about, stuff down. You talk about some of those shots, Coach, and, and some uh, – and maybe even like trick t trick play types or, or uh, you know, going for a, a trick play on a punt or, or maybe some of those things. What goes through your mind or, or what's your – What's your process for deciding when to call for some of those things or, or when to uh, allow for some of that? I know that's something, at least where I've been, where coordinators are like, hey, hey, coach, what do you think about going or whatever trick play? Um, or, you know, obviously um, special teams coordinator either either says, hey, I, I want to fake it, or, or the head coach says, hey, let's go for that fake. What's your kind of process going into a game uh, when it comes to some of those plays? You know, we talk about that. You know, we don't necessarily go through every situation in a game ahead of time, but we do have an awful lot of conversations. And I think that's something that makes our staff really special is that our conversations go long on Sundays, you know, deep into the night. Um, and then they don't stop there. They go, you know, every single day all the way up until game time. Um, but, you know, we uh, we definitely as a defense, <clears throat> excuse me, we um, – we talk about where, where do they like a shot? And, and uh, you know, so I'm really cautious about telling you exactly when I like a shot because I think that's part of the DNA of a coach and, and I'm gonna make people do the work on me. But, um, you know, we're kind of self-evaluating right now that you can predict when we're gonna take a shot. And uh, I, I feel like I can, you know, predict when Xavier's gonna take a shot. They're a really well coached team. Uh, but we need to be a little less predictable. You know, some teams are, the first first down some teams are second and one is, is going to be that play action shot some teams are go for the jugular right after a turnover you know there's there's a lot of times to take shots uh, maybe it's you're you're not the greatest goal line team and you want to take a shot at the 2025 uh, so you don't have to try to score inside the red zone so there's all those types of situations I love the landmark plays like that but uh, you know again there's there's only so much time for a high school football game and you really You've got to you've got to pick and choose what kind of shots you want to take. 
I think the self-scout is, is one of the more underutilized things, especially in high school football. I mean, again, I don't, I don't know if it's time or, you know, lack of awareness or don't, don't want to do it. I'm more worried about a game plan, whatever it might be. I just think, you know, at a lot of places you go, it seems like the self-scout kind of gets, you know, tossed to the side when, when in fact, I mean, you've, you've mentioned Xavier a few times and, and they're going to be well coached and force you to, to really look at it. You know, it's the same thing when we play the, the Dowlings of the world or we used to play the Tulsa Unions of the world. Those guys were going to know us probably better than we knew ourselves if we weren't going to do that self-scout. So I always thought at that point I, I needed to know, you know, what were my tendencies as a play caller? You know, wh wh was I getting into some of those modes where, oh, it's second and short and everybody in America knows that's, quote, the shot down, right? You know, I had to come up with some different ways to change as a play caller or as, as I would evolve as a play caller, know that, you know what, I need to, to learn how to take some more risk and, and be maybe a little bit more unpredictable. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, what that is, is what we need as people, right? Reflection time. Mm, and, exactly. And, and, you know, I mean, at the end of every day or the beginning, mean, we all need time alone and, and some quiet time to, to figure out, you know, how, how do we improve and, and you know, there's only so much of that, you know, statistical an uh, analytics that, that we really have the time. I don't have 18 GAs, although I'd like that. And, and uh, I'm not a full-time coach. Iowa doesn't roll like that. Um, but could I sit down with my offensive guys and could we discuss how that game went and what our, what our tendencies are to date? Absolutely. We could do those things on Saturday or Sunday. You know, we could do them on Friday over a couple beverages. You know, there's a lot of ways to do that. But if you are not aware of who you are as a play caller, somebody else is going to out-scheme you, and, and, you know, that's completely unacceptable. 100% agree. And then, I, I mean, I sit here nodding my head the whole time just because, I mean, I, I love what you said about re reflection. You know, and it, it, almost, it's, it almost seems like, again, you know, you talk about, you know, it's, it's like uh, not manly to have, like, reflective or good conversations or, or to have that crew of friends, like, you know that you can actually bounce bounce things off of and and you know and you'd said it even earlier coach you know admit that we got out coached a admit that you know we need to get our, our shit together and, and get some things going there I think sometimes you know guys get too guarded or staffs get too guarded and they don't want to show that but it's like that's the time you really grow and that's the time you you really are, are able to hey let's dive into this stuff and let's let's have some deep thinking about it and man th this is where we really find some of these answers that all of a sudden now those three, four plays that Coach Harper was talking about, those things flip when you get into those close games. And I think that's how you kind of take it to that next level, honestly. Yeah, and like I said, you know, credit to Coach Reinert, but, uh, you know, our offensive guy. Uh, it, but, you know, he's, he's really taking advantage of those situations. But, you know, how hip hypocritical are we as coaches that we expect our kids to humble themselves and watch film? And we're going to sit there and hammer on those guys and, and make sure that, Every mistake is critiqued and that we're going to get better. And we can't look at ourselves in the mirror as men, humble ourselves and get better. You know, we, we've got to be, you know, the men we expect our young men to grow into as well. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think – I don't have any anything against that. First of all, you know, some people will, will view humility as, as a weakness. And those are the people you really got to steer clear of in your life, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. and, and, and at my lowest times, you know, in Mason City, People saw my humility as a weakness, and it's not viewed that way here. And, and uh, you know, for, for us, you know, we've all got to humble ourselves and get better at Western Dubuque, and I think that's one thing that, that makes us special, which doesn't sound very humble at all. 
<laughs> Coach, humility is, uh, for me, I'm the guy that, that was the non-humble at all guy. Um, maybe outwardly I was, but inwardly I was not at all. Um, and and it's it just crazy how you, you will be humbled, whether it's on the football field or outside of it. Um, it if you're not humble, there's eventually a time it's going to, it's going to happen, and then you've got a kind of a big choice whether you're going to continue with that or or decide that no, you want to be proud again. And um, it is a hard, hard lesson to learn. It is zero fun, um, but as soon as you can act that way, you're exactly right. There'll be guys that are very proud and headstrong that that see that as a weakness, and and I'm with you. Those are the guys that I try to now avoid or not be around uh, because that was me. Uh, but once it does happen and, and once you do have that, it's a, it's a lesson that uh, will stay with you forever. Um, and the unfortunate part, I think, about that is I'm sure there's some great lessons you can help teach kids, but there's so many times that that's a, a lesson that really you can talk about but can't be, talk, can't be taught to most people until they just they feel that. What uh? Would you guys scheme wise? Would you run on offense this year that you that you really liked? Man, I tell you what. I, the 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 better we get, the less we do. It seems like, and huh. and you know, we just we are live and die by the inside zone. We might do it thirty different ways, but but uh, you know, we have we have two two inside zones that are that are different, and uh, we so we do what we call a loaded zone and or a lead zone, if you will. And that includes the tight end or H-back or fullback, however you want to say that out. We call that guy a flex. And then we, we do a split zone where, you know, we basically don't count him into the count. And he's either on the backside or he's basically in 10 personnel or he's out of the fit altogether. Uh, but, you know, we do we do a couple things. And we marry those things up. On our, uh, those are our pass protections for the most part, too. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun with inside for sure. Coach, when you guys are running the lead zone, then on the backside, are you guys, you know, lock and RPO the, the linebacker, or are you guys leaving the defensive end and that's the quarterback's guy, and you guys are actually true reading it? That's a great. Question. You know, we do either, but uh, uh, we're not a huge RPO team. You know, that's sexy right now in the world of football, and and that's not who we are. Don't get me wrong, we're bubbles, and and we've got some slants out there and some fades and some hitches, but. You know, that's not really a big part of who we are. We're, we're more of a traditional zone read team. And, uh, you know, if we don't we don't want the ball in our quarterback's hand, you know, we can, so to speak, and, and do some of those type of things. But, uh, you know, we, we, we like to keep it pretty basic for sure. Yeah, I've, I've always thought that that was probably my favorite part about inside zone was how many plays that you could run off of it uh, just by teaching inside zone. I mean, you can run like you said uh, and – ISO basically or lead zone, you lock the backside, you can fold zone, you can do three or four different types of reads, you can call wham and, and still keep it as a zone. Um, there's just so many different ways to dress it up and you can still tell the kids you're, you're running zone except for we're going to lock the backside. We're running zone except for we're going to read the three. This time we're running zone, don't block the three, but we're going to kick them with the fullback. Still all the same thing, just a, one or two guys tweak their their assignment and the defense has to see uh, a bunch of different uh, schemes coming at them. Where do you guys, it's, it's one with a bunch of change-ups. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
we, we faced Saul in the state game, and we had not shot a quarterback run play. And, and uh, you know, they did some great things. Credit them. They squeezed us down and stunted and did some stuff to take inside zone away, except, uh, you know, we, we had prepared uh, for Shane in case, you know, some stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, where we where we arc released or, or uh, you know, we called it a swipe or, you know, those types of things where the, the H-back is blocking for the quarterback on the keep. And uh, those gap exchange type teams are really going to struggle with uh, because they don't have enough alley defenders. And so, you know, our quarterback, even though he was banged up, Shooty just had surgery today. He still ran for 80 yards in that game, uh, you know, just because they were hell bent on taking that inside play. So it's so versatile. You know, some guys, though, I hear so much about, you know, guys that, uh, you know, they, they just run inside zone because they like the RPOs and everything. We like inside zone. And we, we do, you know, we're so proud of it that, that yes. you know, we'll, we'll hit it front side A gap, you know, and, and we'll, we'll enjoy doing it. And, uh, you know, our, our linemen are going to get to that that aiming point and, and uh, yeah, the best coach, you know, best offensive line coach in the state of Iowa. You know, I know Coach Nelson down there in Ankeny, and there's a lot of great guys out there, but Mike Elgin's the very best. You know, he's a three-year starter at Iowa. He's a three-time academic All-American. The guy is, by trade, a problem solver at John Deere. You know, he is he is a, an engineer, a brilliant man. So, you know, we get after it up front, and, uh, you know, that, that's how we make A. But we don't we don't run inside zone because of, of what it offers us in the passing game or anything else. We love inside zone for all it's worth. Completely agree, Coach. It was always the day one install. <clears throat> always going to be one of my favorite plays. I mean, I, I can't. I can't crap on power too much, right? I guess still, I guess still run some gap, but yes, inside zone is is kind of my uh, you know my other bread and butter. The the two plays I, I absolutely love, and then I also love what you said about those two plays because of the carryover that it does have to pass protection. You know, you're you're blocking a lot of the same people if it's you know obviously a full slide, and then you have the the split zone action, or if you're going to be you know doing some of the lock action and then having an insert guy all that stuff is going to be the same for your guys in pass protection. They know who to, who to block. And it's like you said, now we're doing less. We're, we're teaching things almost the exact same. And we actually went to that at Ankeny. All of our, our zone calls ended up being our same pass protection calls. All it changed was just the technique. Yeah, that's 100% the same as us. So I, I have a ton of respect for that. I got that from UW uh, Platteville. And, and uh, we've, we've been married to that concept ever since. And, and, uh, you know, I think uh, I was really married to it when, when I asked the coach if he, you know, our old line coach, Coach Elgin, if he had the opportunity to get to, you know, a certain inside zone pass protection that we had and said, no, we just worked technique the whole time, but we, we installed it with Ron earlier. So they know who to block. With the pass game then, Coach, what were some of your guys' uh, best concepts? Because, again, you know, I used to have a, a list of plays that I was going to install in it. And, again, like you said, the, the better we got at them, the more I kind of just started to morph a lot of those concepts together. And, and literally it's gotten down to the point now where it's, it's four to five uh, past concepts we do. And we give a lot of our kids, you know, freedom to, to break things off based on, you know, the, the things that we are seeing, whether we are capped or uncapped to use some of the R4 terms. But I mean, what's some of the stuff you guys have, have really kind of been able to hang your hat on, especially in the past, uh, the play action game or the drop back game. Yeah, I've had some coaches give us give us a lot of a lot of crap because we we run so much of of what some people call you know snag or spot or or scat. But 
uh, you know, we run an awful lot of that, and, and uh, you know, we run it against everybody and everything. We have you know, four or five ways to protect that, and we get pre- pretty creative there. You know, and then and then we run some some flood schemes that, that are pretty universal. And again, we have four or five ways to protect those, or, or add some variety to those. And you know, we can run it against man or one high, two high, and you know, we change some formations and things. And then we have some other traditional things that we do. We do not uh, get after a whole lot of spot adjustment. We we let the throw to, to space happen, and and uh, you know, don't overcoach that a whole lot. But uh, yeah, you know, you talked about R4 and, and Coach Maddox. I'll, I'll be honest, that man, you know, I mean, ever since, uh, you know, I've explored what he has to offer, uh, we've, we've had uh, a quarterback break the, the, the school passing record almost every single year since then. Yeah, makes sense. Again, I mean, I've said it many times. He changed the, the way that I look at it. And like I said, we were consistently looking for ways that – at Jenks to be able to simplify, simplify, and he's just obviously taking it to whole new levels. And uh, I know Coach Harper's not too excited to be facing him at Union now, but uh, I'm sure he'll have a, a little bit different level of athlete than he's had the past couple of years to uh, to implement his system as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Not a, it was uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, if if he would have stayed at Victory a couple more years, I wouldn't have been mad at that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I love his level of organization. You know, for a guy with ADHD, I, I, I respect anybody who can organize their thoughts as well as he has. And, and I think that's where he's so so clever and, and uh, you know, he's complete, but he's not all over the map like like I would be. And and a ton of respect for, for how organized his thoughts are. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and um, you know, it, it's – it is cool, and it's something that I've kind of learned from Walls, and as an offensive line coach, uh, has been an easy way for me to think of things, and, and um, uh, because Walls was over there as well, and, and kind of how he thinks about things, and, and even his own little spin off of it, and as an offensive line coach, if I can understand it, uh, then it makes me feel pretty comfortable that our kids can probably understand it. Yeah, absolutely, you know, and I think even more than the kids, and we've done that, but he's he's kind of planted a seed with us and and the way we go about our Sunday meetings is a hundred percent affected by that R4 system and and uh you know we get after our, our first and second down stuff early and and try to hurry up and, and make sure that that's good and everything else but we want to get after third down and we want to talk about you know what adjustments are they gonna have to take us away and I think that's next level stuff and so we're going through that uh, that game before it happens, and we're putting ourselves into a hypothetical hell, um, you know, and, and, well, they're going to shut this down, and this is how they're going to do it, or this is how they're going to do it. So how are we going to answer that? And so we have adjustments for adjustments, and sometimes that never happens, and sometimes it happens six weeks from now, and, uh, you know, we've played it out in our heads, and so we're just ready to go, and, and uh, it's really been, been huge for us. Yeah, I like that aspect of the the game planning as well too. You know, don't don't waste all that time coming up with all your your first and second down calls. You know, ha- having our rhythm plays, having the things that you know we like. Literally, you're gonna like almost every single week anyway. I mean, you you already know. Hey, we're gonna run two different inside zones. We're gonna run you know these two concepts. What's five ways we're gonna do that? Okay, cool. Teams know we're gonna run the inside zone. Teams know we're gonna run lead inside zone. Teams know we're gonna run double post. Teams know we're gonna run levels. What are they going to do? Take those things away. So it's like you said, let's come up with our our second level of things. If they start taking it away, here's what we go to. 
okay, third down, all these, all these third down situations we hope we're not in, but hey, when we do get put in these, let's make sure our kids are ready. When we get into the red zone, the scoring zone, what are our go-tos? If they take this away, what have we already run? You know, I think that whole thing just becomes an ongoing conversation on the staff where you've already said it, you're reflecting, right? You're, you're, you're starting to think about all those things ahead of the game. And then not only that, everybody's on the same page. So when eventually it does happen, and it's usually going to happen sometime in the playoffs in a huge game, we've already had these conversations for several, several weeks. We have a comfortable plan. The kids know what that plan is, and we're going to roll with it. Yeah, absolutely. And for us, you know, that was, that was in probably, you know, what evolved as maybe the state championship game in the second round against North Scott, you know, where we think we know a team, and, and the better the team is, the more likely you know what they're going to line up in, especially on defense. And they sold, you know, sold ship and, and went from a three-down, you know, front to a four-down front, and those conversations had already been had. And so we were able to adjust. And, and uh, yeah, those conversations are, are the, the most valuable thing a staff can have. Yeah, and I think we, we've run into it a few times now, too. I mean, and you have some of those, those stud players that, that they're going to have to, you know, change some of the – <clears throat> their schemes for so I mean we, we have, have a pretty good receiver here you know how are teams going to double him how are teams going to take him away are they going to blitz us and make us get the ball out quickly you know are they going to are they going to beat him up at the line of scrimmage and play a guy over the top but again if you haven't had those conversations it can't just be one of those deals where oh, well, let's just wait and see what happens when we get in the game well now when I get in the game it's too late so I mean I think you know having all those contingency conversations because we're not wasting time you know, hey, dude, we, we already know what plays we're going to run. Why, why are we still sitting here talking about 21 personnel? We know it's going to be power and lead outside zone. Let's go, you know, move on, whatever it might be. Let, let's go to that next level of, dude, we play these good defenses now. They spend a lot of time. They're not just going to let us throw post over the top. What are your answers going to be for that? That's fun, man. That's, that's, that's the best stuff there is, too. And, and when you get a guy, you know, instead of, you know, beating your head against the bus on the way home, uh, because you got out out schemed by Xavier, you know you're you're uh, you know laughing it up and enjoying yourself on the way home because you know you got them, you know, and and uh, you you did the work and it paid off. But uh, I'd rather be on that end of things for sure. Well, Coach, we're, we're kind of rolling up on an hour now, but uh, the thing that I always like to ask is when you watch another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Yeah, I, I think just it's, you know, we, we face teams that, that, that have that guy or two guys. But, you know, when, when guys are in sync, they, their footwork, you know, they, they're, they're rolling together at the same time. Uh, you know, they pass guys off. You know, one thing that we'd like to see more out of our guys is not putting two hands on a double team. And we saw so much of that. Anytime I see a team, double team guys, with without putting both hands on them and they continue to have the ability to move laterally and come off either guy able to come off I think you know like that team has got got some things figured out so that's something small I know but uh it's something we still struggled with shooting week 13 you know this year and and so you know my hat's off to the teams that can get that kind of thing done Coach, man, it's been a blast having you on. Uh, I know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't live that far away, and I, I'm excited to, uh, to be able to, to, to meet up with you one of these days once the, uh, hopefully the weather gets a, a little bit warmer or not. But I know, uh, you know, Coach Maddox has, has told me he's, he's, he really thinks highly of you guys. And like I said, uh, we kind of come from some of the same pedigree. So 
I'm excited to get up there and, uh, and do some clinicking with you guys as well. So appreciate you coming on, man, and, and look forward to meeting up. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, appreciate you guys' leadership in the game of football. What you guys are doing, it's special, man. Thank you, guys. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to, again, thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.